Um, I hope you have your Bible turn, uh, Genesis 1 through 2 this morning. We're going to be there. Um, what I know is this. When we look at the world around us today, we often look, and it seems like so much is, is broken. We see brokenness everywhere. When we consider the pandemic, we feel like our physical world is broken. And, and then we look at the racial tensions, and we feel like the racial relations are broken. As we observe that's all going on in our government, we feel like our politics are broken. I saw one study not too long ago that said since COVID hit, and 30% of people who attended church before COVID-19, 30% have not connected with the church in any way since. That's either online or in person. And so when I see a statistic like that, I begin to wonder, well, is the church broken? We are aware of the number of families that are falling apart, and so we see relationships are broken. And on and on, we can look around and see brokenness. In fact, many people look at their very own lives and simply say, I'm broken. Now, as we consider all the brokenness that are around us, we begin to wonder, well, is, is God broken? Uh, well, no, we wouldn't ask it like that, but we do wonder sometimes like this. We say things like, well, is God really in control at all? Or maybe we look and say, is there a God? We think to ourselves that if there is a God, surely things would be different with uh, all these things even in mind. We, we look and see all this. We wonder, can God really be there? And so we, we ponder those things and As we think about all those things, we're going to begin a very important series today entitled Unbroken. And what we want to do over the next several months is look into the scriptures and see how God's plan and his purposes are not broken. In fact, they are unbroken. What God has been doing from the beginning, he is still doing today, and God will carry his plan out until completion. What we need to do is discover that the only true way of dealing with our brokenness today and that we see all in the world around us to look to God is to join him in his plan and trust in his power and his strength. That's how we deal with the brokenness around us. Now, as we begin this series, we'll see today this. God creates with purpose for our good and for his glory. The very first verse in the Bible says these familiar words. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning of time as we know it, in the beginning of the world that we experience, God created. All right, now, let's state an obvious fact. If God created the heavens and the earth, then he existed before the heavens and the earth. God was not created. God was the one who did the creating. Therefore, what we have to acknowledge is God is superior to all things. He is the beginning of all things that we have seen. And I will go further and say this. He is also the beginning of all the things we have yet to see, things we haven't seen. Therefore, God deserves our worship for just the very fact that he is God. Warren Wiersbe noted about the phrase, in the beginning God, that this simple statement refutes the atheist who says there is no God, the agnostic who claims we cannot know God, the polytheist who worships many God, the pantheist who says that all nature is God, the materialist who claims that matter is eternal and not created, and the fatalist who teaches that there is no divine plan behind creation and history." In other words, these few little words say a lot, and above all, they point us to the greatness of God. Now, to understand what God, though, is up to in our lives, here's what we have to do. We have to look at his creating just a little more closely, and as we do, here's what we can see. We can see first that God creates everything or created everything out of nothing. Again, look again into these scriptures. In Genesis 1 1 and 2, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. See, verse 1 is a reminder that when we consider the earth we live on at one point, listen, it didn't exist at all. 
All right. God started by creating earth and the rest of the heavens with it. Then after he had created the earth, it was still nothing. It was without form. It was empty. It was void. And so God didn't then begins to mold the earth. He begins to give the earth its form and its structure. I hope as you read those words, you truly get an appreciation for the power of God. Do you get a true appreciation that he could take nothing and create the earth? Here's what I like to think. I like to think occasionally I'm a pretty creative person. Y'all ever like to think you're creative? I like to think at times I'm a pretty creative person. In fact, last year I got a workshop at my house. And so since then, I've been doing a few projects as, as I've been seeking to develop my creative capacity. And so this morning, I thought I would just share a few of the things that I've created over the last year. The, the first one here is you see, it's just a little holder for our, do our dog bowls, right? So we can take our dog bowls and put those in there. And so they're elevated. And so my dog don't have to stoop over when it's eat. So I, I created this. I also created some built-ins for our TV. So I created that. And I think it turned out pretty nice. We, we like that. And we have everything now of our TV around that. I also built a vanity. This vanity now sits in our bathroom as I remodeled our bathroom. And, and so I, I was kind of happy how that turned out too. And, and then there's this hope chest. I made this hope chest that I've made for a couple of my children. And I have plans to make two more for my other children in the future. So I've looked at those and here's the truth. All those things that I built, I, I didn't start with any plans. Started with nothing. I grabbed a piece of paper. I drew up what I was wanting to build, did some measurements, and then I put it all together. And then eventually I went out in my shop and I made those and, and I created those. When I got done, I, I've kind of looked and said, oh, they're okay. I know all the flaws that are there. And trust me, there's plenty of flaws. I'm hoping to get better in time. I know all those flaws, but I've kind of stepped back and said, well, overall, I'm generally pleased. But you want to know something? And all those things that I have made, I never started with nothing. All right. I always started with something. There was material that I took and I remade them into something else. All right. That, that's, the, that, that, that's as far as I can go being creative. But here's what you need to know about God. God's not like that. He didn't need material to start with because what God did is he started with nothing and he made something. He, he took nothing and made everything. See, I took something and made something from it. God on the hand took nothing and made everything that we know. Crea God created this world in everything in it. He created even the smallest particle that we know of, and then he created the universe. If, if you want to get fancy this morning, you can use a little Latin phrase. So I'm going to teach you a little Latin this morning, all right? What God did was ex nihilo, all right? It was out of nothing. That's how God worked. Ex nihilo, out of nothing. All right, that reminds us that God is powerful. And I can tell you this, as God created in the beginning out of nothing, he is that powerful. Let me go ahead and tell you, he is still that powerful today. Okay. His power is still at work. That should give all of us hope. Think about this. If he can create from nothing, then nothing is too hard for him to handle. All right, whatever's going on in your life, it is not too big for God. Now, God truly created everything out of nothing, but also God created by the power of his word. I will not read all of verses 3 through 25 this morning, but look at this pattern that develops beginning in verse 3. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said... Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let us separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven and there was evening and there was morning the second day. 
Now, you can notice that this pattern continues throughout chapter one. God speaks, and guess what? It happens. God names what has come to be, and he often then says it is good. Again, if you read throughout the chapter, here's what becomes very clear, that God speaks with power, and what God says happens. I'm going to tell you, that's so refreshing in this world, because we often live in a world where people's words don't seem to mean very much. In other words, they often say there's things they're going to do, but then they don't do it. It's been 17 years now, but I'll still remember when we were building our house and the contractor who was pouring our basement never would show up. And if you, if you know this, if you're putting a basement under house, you can't do anything else until the basement's there, right? And so it never would show up. And so one day I actually went to his house and I said, hey, I need you to pour the basement because my, my, my builder's getting ready to be ready. He's going to be ready to come and, and build a house, but I, I got to have the basement. And so he looked at me and he said, well, to this point, I've never given you a date. And so I'm going to be here on this date. And you can be sure I'm going to be there because I'm not like all these under, other contractors who will give you a date and then not show up. So I'm going to start on this date. You can guess what happened, right? That day came and he didn't show up, right? He didn't show up because his word didn't really mean that much, right? Now, eventually, I think I twisted his arm hard enough. He finally did come, got my basement. Obviously, I've had a house for 17 years, so he showed up. But what it shows us is people today, their words don't mean that much. It's hard to trust someone that they'll do what they say they'll do. However, folks, hear me. When God speaks, things happen. When God speaks, what he said is going to happen, it will. God speaks truth. But more than that, God's word brings actions. Things happen when he speaks. We can also see in these words in Genesis 1 that as God speaks, he brings order out of the chaos. Notice that he continued works to bring order. He separated the light from the darkness, giving division to the days. He separated the waters so that there was the heavens and the waters under the heavens. So we can continue on this morning. Also, as we look at the words in Genesis 1, we are being let in on what God is doing in the world. We are being shown that God has a plan, that he is at work, and that he will complete that plan. It tells us that God is in control, and, 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 and the world that seems, listen, that seems to be out of control is ultimately a God world with order by the hand of God. Everything has its place, and everything has its purpose. Things are not random or by chance. In fact, maybe this is a good place to note that God designed a world where fruit trees bore fruit of its kind and that God created animals according to their kind. Everything had its kind. In other words, one thing didn't evolve from something else. Everything was created according to its kind. God spoke specific things into being, which we will see in just a moment, includes mankind. Man didn't evolve from some lower being. God created by his word. Do you hear me? God spoke. And it came to be. So we can see in the early verses of the scripture that God created everything out of nothing, that God created by the power of his word. But then we'll get a very important detail about God creating mankind, which is this, that God created mankind in his image. We can get the details of God's creation of man, both in chapters one and two of Genesis. But one of the keys of the creation of humankind is seen in verses 26 and 27 of chapter one. Look at these verses. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. We must always remember that when it comes to the creation that mankind was created special. Humankind is like no other part of creation. Now, what makes humankind so different? Are you ready? We were made in the image of God. 
Now, now what does that mean? Well, looking into chapter two, we see this. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living creature. Now, as we look at this account of creation of man, one thing must be very clear. Being made in the image of God is not really about our physical nature. Remember, the Bible tells us that God is spirits, all right? So the physical aspect of who we are is not ultimately what it means to be made in the image of God. In fact, physically, we are made from dust. At the core, physically, we, we are not much, that much different than other creatures. Physically, we are made from dust, and one day physically, to dust, the Bible says, we will return. But what is unique in the creation of man that this verse points out to us is that God breathed into man the breath of life, and man became a living creature that can be translated a living spirit. It is more in the spiritual aspect of who we are that we, are, that we must consider what it means to be made in the image of God. And first, it means this, all right? Being created in the image of God means to live in relationship. You know, one thing that is vital for us to understand, maybe the most important thing for us to understand is that God created us to be in relationship. First, in relationship with him and then with others. One of the things that has made our time of, in fact, living through a pandemic restrictions so tough on us is the inability to experience relationships as we need. It's not healthy for us to be isolated, and in part because God did not create us to be in isolation. Some of you may already know this, but others need to recognize that God in his very nature is a relational God. Did you know that? God in his very nature is a relational God. Look again what it says in Genesis 1.26. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Notice closely, it was God, singular, who said, let us, plural, make man in our image. From the opening pages of the scripture, we begin to see that though God is one, he is three. He is Father, He is Son, and He is Holy Spirit. There is a relationship even in the Godhead itself. God, by His very nature, is relational. And so as then God created humankind, He created us in His image, which means God has created us to be in relationship. We see this also in the next verse when it says, so God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him male and female. He created them. The fact that God created male and female was another aspect of God creating us for relationship. And if that doesn't convince you, then consider Genesis 2.18, which makes our relational character clear when it says, then the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. You see, relationships are vital to our lives. But let's be very clear. The most important relationship is with God. He is the one that has worked in the life of man from the beginning, and he has a desire to continue to work in our lives and be in relationship with his creation. Some have even pointed out that as chapter two ends and you move into chapter, or chapter one ends and you move into chapter two, that when God rested on the seventh day and made it holy, that there is a sense where this points to earth being the dwelling place of God, that he wants to be with his, his, his creation. In the ancient world, divine rest was associated with the temple building so that the earth is to be seen not just as a place to house his creation, but also a place for God to dwell and to dwell with his people. 
What will definitely become clear as we go throughout the scriptures is that God desires a relationship with his people. You can see that in chapter two when he comes walking in the garden to meet with Adam and Eve and we'll see it throughout scripture. And so clearly being made in God's image means to be in relationship. Also, we were made in God's image though to reflect his character. For time's sake, I'm not gonna spend much on this aspect so because I hope really it would just make sense to you that when God said he was going to make man in his image or if you wanna use the word likeness, It should make sense that part of what that means is that we reflect who God is. In other words, as we go through the scriptures and see that God is holy, we then are called to be holy. When we see that God is faithful, then we are called to be faithful. When we see that God is loving, we too then are called to be loving. On and on that we could go, but clearly part of being created in the image of God is reflecting his character, all right? His emotionally, morally, and social character. We are to reflect that in the world. Now, as we reflect his character, we will also see that being made in the image of God means that we are to join in his creative purpose. Listen, God didn't just create us to be window dressing. Did you know that? God also didn't just create us to be his toys for his pleasure. God created us with a purpose, and that purpose was to join him in what he was doing. Notice what we're meant to do, beginning back in verse 28. It says, and God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every other living thing that moves on the earth. It's interesting to note that this first said that God blessed them. We started today by saying that what we were going to see is that God creates with purpose for our good and for his glory. And here's a place where we truly see that God has our good in mind. He blessed mankind, it said. And if we were to keep reading in this chapter, we could see where God provides for mankind's every need. God truly has our good interest in mind. He loves us and he desires good things for us. And so he's created us as he's creating. He's creating for our good. With that said, we need to notice that then God invites us to join him in his work. We are called, it says, to be fruitful and to multiply the earth. And feel the earth. Even the act of procreation is a way that God allows us to join him in creation. Malachi makes that clear when making a call to faithfulness in marriage. In this call to faithfulness, we are giving insight into God's design for procreation. And here's what we read in Malachi 2.15. Did he not make them one with a portion of the spirit in their union? And what was the one God seeking? Look at this. Godly offspring. So guard yourself in your spirit and let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. So notice this, in procreating, we are meant to fill the earth with what? Godly offspring, right? Or put another way, others who reflect the image of God, right? But that is not the the only way we join God in his work. Mankind is told to subdue the earth, have dominion over the other creatures of the earth. No doubt mankind is superior to the rest of creation, but I hope you understand as he's called us, listen, to tend this earth and to take care of this earth, we are to be good stewards of it, right? You know that, right? We're to do this in a way where we even have dominion in a way that reflects the character of God. Jesus taught this in Matthew 20 when he said, but Jesus called them to him and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you, you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. 
In other words, here's the point I'm making. We join God in his creative purposes, being fruitful, multiplying, and properly overseeing his creation by joining him in his work and taking care of this earth as he would design, reflecting his his glory. See, if we do this correctly, we can make the observation that God made in Genesis 131. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was what? It's very good. Now, this summation of what God observed is what somewhat gives us pause this morning to think that God's plan is broken, that somehow God is out of control. If we look and, and God said that everything was good, he created, but when I look and everything is not good, then does that mean God's out of control? Does that mean God's plan is broken? Well, next week, we're going to dive into the reason that God's plan may appear broken. All right, we're going to dive into that next week, but for this week, here's what I want to do. Before we finish up, I want us to see this. That God's purpose in creation is unbroken. What we need to see clearly is that God is still at work. God is still creating today, and God still is inviting us to be involved in his creating. Let's start by considering this. Often we look at our lives and say they are chaotic. I mean, if you don't feel that way today, I'm sure at some point you've felt that way, have you not? We all would shake our head, yes, I felt that way in the past. The reason I know that is true is because there is or was at a point at which each person today was allowing sin to rule your life. And a life ruled by sin is chaotic. But there is good news. God can work with chaos. Much like when God created in the beginning, at one point, the earth was empty. It was formless. It was void. Some would say it was chaos. And then God worked to bring order into the world. We saw that he created with purpose and he took what was nothing and he made something great. He worked and gave everything a purpose. Well, here's what we're told in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 in regard to our chaotic lives. Our, our lives may seem chaotic. Our lives can seem empty. Our lives can be void. But let's look into the scripture and see what God is doing in our lives. Our lives are without purpose. What does God's word say? 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All right. The old has passed away. The new has come. What does God do in lives? He takes what looks to be chaotic and he works in them to make them new. Works to make something beautiful, to create new lives out of chaotic lives. In other words, God is still creating, all right? Like we sang a while ago, he can take graves and make them into gardens, all right? He can take your shame and turn it into glory. He is truly continuing to do his work even now. If you want an example of this, you're going to see it here in just a couple of weeks. In a couple of weeks, we're going to see the testimony of Chuck Jones before his baptism. All right, some of you might recognize that name. Chuck Jones used to be a sports editor for the News Enterprise, so maybe you've read that name Chuck Jones there. If you've had kids in sports in school, you probably used to see him there. He, he no longer works at the New, News Enterprise, but Chuck's going to give his testimony a few weeks before he gets baptized. I believe today he would agree that he could have described his life just a short period ago as chaotic. In fact, it was so chaotic, Chuck was ready to take his very own life. He saw his life such a mess that it wasn't a life that even should go on. However, his testimony is this, is that God has been working in such a way that today he is a new man. God has taken a life that was void and empty and is now making something beautiful. 
Chuck would tell you that his life is completely different. It is completely new than it was just a short period ago. And I'm going to hear to tell you this. Stories like Chuck are all around us. Lives that were once chaotic have been recreated by God to now be things of beauty because God's work of creation is unbroken. He is still in the creation business. He is still doing this creation. And how is he doing this creation? Let me tell you. He's doing it the same way he was doing it in the beginning, through his word. To help you understand what I mean, consider this. In the Gospel of John, it says this. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. What is this word that was with God and was God and was creating in the beginning? This word is none other than Jesus Christ. To affirm this, Hebrews 1, 1 and 2 says, Long ago... And many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. You see, God spoke in the beginning through Jesus and things came to be. He spoke out of the chaos and the chaos came into order and had purpose. And he continues to speak today through Jesus. And what is he doing? He is creating new life. Amen. God has told us that through faith in Jesus Christ, we can be forgiven of sin and we can be made new. We can have lives of purpose through Jesus Christ. Since we saw in the beginning that what God speaks comes to be, we can be assured that if God has promised us new life in Jesus, then it will happen. All right. Now, when God made mankind in the beginning, mankind was the crown of God's creation. He was made special and he was made unique. He was made in his image. He was made to join God in his creative purposes. Likewise, folks, let me say this. People today, if they are made new in Jesus, here's what you need to see in Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works. Which God prepared beforehand that we should what? Walk in them. God today is creating us new in Christ Jesus. Why? For good works. He is recreating us in Jesus to do what he has prepared beforehand for us to do. He is taking chaotic lives and creating them in newness so that they will join him in his work in this world, creating them to be like him. As it's put in Ephesians 4.24, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. In fact, this is what God desires for his people that we would live lives that look like him and advance his cause in the world, which is ultimately, you ready, to help all his creation come to live in relationship with him. And as we live out this new life, which is for our good, we bring, bring, uh, we bring glory to God on this earth, and it puts us in a place to hear the words that Jesus shared in a parable in Matthew 25, where he looked at one who had been faithful to his master, had done what God had wanted him to do, had joined in his purpose, and he looked and he said, well done, what? Good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter in the joy of your master. Much as God looked at his creation and said, it is good, all right? He wants to look at all of us someday and said, well done, thy good and faithful servant. You have done well. Now, some may say, but 
Brother Scott, I hear that, but there's still so much chaos on the earth. That's so true. In fact, God has even told us that in this world, we will have trouble. Y'all have read that verse, right? And remember this, what God says happens. So let me go ahead and tell you, there will be trouble in this earth. All right. But we can take heart. Why? Are you ready? Because God's work is not finished. What we saw in the beginning is God created. What we have seen, God is still creating. And what we all need to be aware of is that God's work of creating will continue on until one day we're going to read what we read in Revelation 21. And it's going to come to pass. What do we read there? Listen to these words. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Hear me, folks. God will continue his creative work until one day when he does his final act of creating, when Jesus returns and final judgment takes place and God creates a new heaven and a new earth. And everything will be perfect. There will be no more need for tears, no more need to cry. There will be no more pain, no more death. For all those former things will have passed away. All things will be made new. And the best part, God will dwell with man and be in relationship with him as he tended from the beginning. That relationship will be complete. Oh, what a day that will be. When that day comes, it will be clear to all that God's plans, that God's purposes are clearly unbroken and that his plans, you know, ends for our good and for his glory. Now, what we have to ask today first is this. Do you recognize the God of creation? Maybe you see that as a simple question, but the first place we all have to get to is where we recognize God in his power. Recognize that God created this world with order and purpose and that he created your life and created you for purpose. If you can get there, then you can consider this next question. Have you given your life to Jesus Christ? The word of God is spoken. And the word of God through whom what God wants to do with you is take your, your chaotic life, your life that seems to be empty, this life that seems to be void, and he wants to create you into something new. He wants to forgive you of sin and give you new life. My question is, have you given your life to him? If you've never done that, I'm going to tell you, life will always be empty for you. Life will always be chaotic. Because until you let God take you through Christ and mold you into something new, your life is just empty and it's void. And today I want to ask you, listen, have you given your life to Jesus? Have you recognized that you have sinned, that your relationship with God is broken? And have you confessed that sin and said, Lord, I want to invite you in. I know, Jesus, that you have died for me. I know that you gave your life for me. And I want to invite you into my life to take control and to recreate me in you, to recreate me new, to live for you and to live with purpose. Have you given your life to Jesus? If not, today is a day. But if you have, let me ask you this. You've recognized him. I want to ask you this. Are you now walking in the purpose that God has for you? Remember this. God didn't create you just to be window dressing. Never has. God, he only created mankind with purpose. In Christ, 
He has created you. We notice you're his workmanship. He has a plan. He has a purpose for your life. Have you joined him in that plan? Are you working for the Lord? Ultimately, let me ask you this. Have you joined him in his creative purposes? What is he doing today? He's creating new lives. So let me ask all who are involved here today that say, hey, I know God is, I know the Lord in my life. I've given my life to Jesus Christ. He's my savior. Let me ask you, when was the last time you were involved in him creating a new life? When was the last time you shared the truth of Jesus with someone and said, let me tell you about your chaotic life. Your life can have order. Your life have, can, can have purpose. And let me tell you how that happens. It comes through a man named Jesus. And let me tell you what Jesus has done for you. And when was the last time you helped somebody understand their need for Jesus where they gave their life to him and they experienced a new life when they were created new in him? Let me tell you, God wants us to join him in that. And there is nothing better all right, then seeing God's purpose is fulfilled through our lives. I want to invite all of you today, no matter who you are, to join God in what he is doing. And if you already are joining him, here's what I want to encourage you to do. Never lose heart. No matter how difficult it can be, never lose heart. Because you know what we just saw this morning? As difficult as this world's going to be, remember, God's plans are unbroken. He is still working. Remember, the best is yet to come. Amen? Remember, we're all pressing on until one day there is that new heaven and there is that new earth and we get to experience that day. That's something we all look forward to. And so today, if you say, I've given my life to Jesus, I'm joining in his work, but it's still tough out here. Hold on, hold on. He is still at work making new lives, but that new heaven, that new earth, it's coming. Amen? And you're, you're going to be all that you're originally intended to be, and you'll get to be with God forevermore. Praise the Lord. Amen, right? Hold on. Let me ask you today. Have you joined God in his creation? Because listen, his work is unbroken. I encourage you to join him today. Let's pray together. Our Father, we bow to your presence this morning, and I thank you, Lord, for your word that reminds us of your power and your strength that reminds us, Father, that you are in control. You always have been. You always will be. And that no matter what's going on around us, God, that your plans have not failed. Your plans have not stopped. Indeed, Father, that your plans are unbroken. Help us to see that, Father, today and allow you to work in our lives as you desire. And God, I don't know what you want to do in these next few moments, but there may be one who has listened today. And they've never given their life to Jesus. My prayer would be in these next few moments that there'd be some new creation that takes place. That there'd be some lives today that are empty and void, chaotic. In this moment, they would give it to you and let their master, the creator, make them new today in Jesus. Whether that's here in person or someone watching online today, Lord, my prayer would be they give their life to you and let you recreate them today because you desire to do that. And so, Father, work. Father, I also pray today as we come to this invitation that you would speak to us, your people, and remind us that, God, those that know you, you've invited us to work, to be a part of your creation. And help us be burdened, Father, where we go and where we see brokenness, where we see chaos, where we see emptiness, that, Father, we would come and speak through your power and speak into those moments, reminding people that there's hope through Jesus. And that today, through our words, as we share your word, Father, the word Jesus Christ, that we would see new creations taking place 
that we would see new lives being born through the work that we have done for you. And God will know in the end when it's all said and done, it was for our good, but for your glory. And so bless us. I don't know what you're saying to our hearts today. But Father, speak to us. And may we join you this morning in your work. And as I pray these things, I pray them in Jesus' name. Amen.